it is necessary for us to realize more than ever before but tragically and unfortunately there is another America. This other America has a daily ugliness about it that constantly transforms the buoyancy of hope into the fatigue of despair. Little children in this other America are forced to grow up with clouds of inferiority forming every day in their little mental skies. Today all of our cities confront huge problems as a result of the continued existence of these conditions. There are certain things that we must do the job ahead must be massive and positive. All of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, will be able to join hands and live together as brothers and sisters. And the sons of God will shout for joy. Hey, Seacoast. It's Josh Surratt, lead pastor here. I am so glad that we are together. Uh, today, as happy as I am that we're joining together online in our living rooms and our small groups, I got to tell you, I am so disappointed. This was supposed to be our weekend that we were gathering back together in person. And uh, with the spike that's happening in South Carolina, we've also had some cases on our team and we've talked with our, our uh, officials here in the town and it just didn't make sense to do it. And so, gosh, I cannot wait to be together with you guys. We are gonna get there soon. Uh, when are we coming together in person? You know what, I've picked three dates already and I'm 0 for three, so I'm not picking another one right now. Uh, it may be a, a week or two, it may be a little bit longer than that, but we are going to open as soon as we possibly can uh, to gather together. But I'm so en encouraged by what's happened. Uh, we've reached so many more people since we've been doing it online. And so I just, I wanna thank you for tracking with us. I know we're all kind of tired of, of this season and we want it to be behind us, but thank you for having patience. Thank you for being a part. And I wanna encourage you to, to let us know where are you watching from? Uh, let's engage a little bit in the comment section. Where are you joining us from? It's been so encouraging to see people join us from literally all around the world. And wherever you're from today, we are so glad that you're here. Uh, share the feed. We're gonna have an important conversation today. I'm really, really looking forward to our time together. As we jump into the message, I wanna ask you a question. Have you noticed that there's a good bit of division in our country today? Have you noticed that? Or have you had, had your head in the sand? A lot of division. We've all 
seen it. Uh, you know, I was on a vacation with my family recently. We were able to get away, went to Colorado. And uh, the, the highlight of our vacation, the thing that we were looking forward to the most was our very last night. There's a hotel in Colorado that our kids love and it's got a lazy river and a pool and all this stuff. We were so looking forward to going to this hotel. And so finally we get to this point, we're going to the hotel. I dropped the, the family off to get checked in. I went to get gas in the car because we were heading to the airport the next morning. And I went back to the hotel to, to change into my bathing suit. And I got to the hotel room and my oldest two kids were still in the room. And I was like, what are you doing in the room? Uh, there's so much stuff to enjoy. Out there and they said, well, we were fighting and mom made us stay in the room until we get a plan together on how we're going to be unified and not divided in our family. And it was, it was interesting. It took them a while. They finally got there, but I thought, you know what? They are, there's all of this stuff to play with, yet they're in a timeout because of division. And I wonder if in some ways our country, we feel like we're kind of in a timeout. <laughs> you know, there's so much stuff that we can't participate in. There's so much stuff that we can't be involved in, even coming together in person to do church. We're sort of in a timeout. And part of it, I think, is so that we can look at how can we be more united because our country is very divided. I long for the days when the biggest division was, are you for Carolina? Or are you for Clemson? Those of you that aren't in South Carolina, that's our big football rivalry. It seems like it wasn't that long ago that those are the things that we were fighting about. But now it feels like every issue is an issue that there's division on. Uh, big issues, you know, uh, race issues in our country. Issues of, do I wear a mask or do we not wear masks? You know, should the, the church reopen or should it not? There's, there's epic battles going on right now in social media on all of these things. Should schools reopen or shouldn't they? And of course, there's this major issue and there's division around this issue of racial injustice. It is an absolute bloodbath out there. If you're reading the news, if you're on social media, people are fighting about everything. But there's one place that we have to have a zero tolerance policy on division. And that's in the church. That's in the church. And that's why, frankly, as, as your pastor, I've been, I've been kind of sad looking at some of the social media, seeing people that are normally sitting with each other, worshiping the same God, worshiping Jesus together, that we're now fighting online about a variety of issues. And we've got to have a zero tolerance policy for division, especially in the church. Why? You know, Jesus actually said that a kingdom that is divided against itself cannot stand. That's Matthew 12, verse 25. That when, when a family, a kingdom, a church is divided against itself, it can't stand. That's why the enemy of our church, the enemy of our soul, his tactic is gonna be to get us divided so that we will tear each other down. But it's not going to happen. See, today we're starting a series of incredibly important conversations for the next three weeks. Actually, it started uh, right after we had some protests that kind of turned into riots here in Charleston. And we realized, man, there is a lot of division, especially around racial issues in our country, in our state, in our city, even in our church. And so several churches gathered together on a Monday morning and we prayed together and we, we talked, what are we gonna do? How can we be a part? What, what can we do to be a part of solutions here? And so right now, as we speak, there are literally dozens of churches 
all around the Charleston area. And then obviously our campuses that are meeting in different parts of our states, but dozens of churches, Awaken Church and Journey Church and Freedom Church and Life Park Church, dozens of churches that are having the same conversation in their own context, in their own ways about how could we be undivided as a country? How can we be undivided as a church, especially when it pertains to the idea of justice and even more specifically, race? Why do we want want to do this? Why do we want to have this conversation? Well, because Jesus said this. Look at Jesus in, in John 17, verses 20 through 21. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about his disciples. He says, I'm not just praying for my disciples, but, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us, right? That's you and me. He's praying for us. What's he praying for us? That all of them may be one, that they would be unified. He says, just as the Father, the Spirit, and the Son are one, that we would all be one. Jesus said that, man, when the church is unified together, when they, they love each other well, then it is the greatest tool of evangelism, especially in a nation that is divided right now. When they see a church that is unified, that is one, it's a really, really big deal. That's why we're having this conversation. I wanna go over a couple of kind of ground rules for our, our, our conversation. Again, we're doing the series called Undivided for three weeks. And I wanna ask you a couple of expectations that I have for you. Number one, please stay with us throughout this series. There's a good chance for all of us that at some point something is gonna be said in this series that might catch your attention. It might even rub you the wrong way. You might disagree with it, but I'm asking you to stay with us through the whole series. Three week series, that's all I'm asking you to do. Three weeks uh, and, and, and we've made it as easy as possible. We're online, you can catch it later, but stay with us for the entire conversation because uh, we're going somewhere with the series. Second expectation is, is this. Can we just agree that we don't have to agree on 100% of the issues? You know, we're not going for uniformity here. We are going for unity. And we don't have to, listen, I've been married for almost 20 years. I don't agree with a lot of the, the things. Lisa and I are in disagreement on a lot of things, but we have unity. So, so you don't have to agree with everything that I say. We don't have to agree with each other. We do have to honor each other. We do have to learn to listen to each other but we don't have to agree on everything to be friends, to be brothers and sisters in Christ. I love Ronald Reagan actually said this. He said, the person who agrees with you 80% of the time is a friend and an ally, not a 20% traitor. And, and sadly, because we haven't been together, sometimes we get so hyper-focused on the 20% of things that we disagree on that we treat each other like traitors. We're not, we're friends, we're a church family. We are gonna agree that we don't have to agree on everything 100% of the time. But, but the third ground rule and expectation is we do have to agree with Jesus 100% of the time. We do. We, we, we've got to come un, un, into alignment into what he says, into what God's word says, especially as it relates to these issues. Matthew 12, 30, Jesus said, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So let's work with Jesus on this. Let's work with him. So, 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 so that's, that's the expectations. Let's jump in. Here's the framework for the series. 
Uh, we're, we're basing the series on a passage of scripture in the Old Testament, Micah chapter six and verse eight. And, and a little bit of context for you in the book of Micah, the nation of Israel was scattered. It was divided largely because of their own sin because of their own issues. And they'd come to this point of realization, the prophet Micah had confronted them on it. And they're like, listen, we wanna make it right. What do, we, what do you want us to do, God? That was their question. God, what do you want us to do? do? Do you want us to bow down to you and say that we're sorry? Do you want us to bring offerings? We'll pay for our sin. Do you want us to sacrifice our children? They even said in, in Micah 6 and verse six, they're basically coming to God and saying, God, what do you want us to do? And I believe that if we would turn off our TVs and the news, get off of social media and really humbly say, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do with the current state of affairs in our nation? I believe you would answer it in a very similar way. Look what he says in Micah 6 and verse eight. The prophet says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What does he want you to do? He lays out three things to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Three things that he wants us to do. Act justly, pursue justice. What does the word justice mean? The biblical word for justice is to do what is right, just to do what is right, to to love mercy and to walk humbly before our God. Three-legged stool, I believe that's gonna help us in this conversation about being united, about dealing with issues of racism and and, and injustice. It's a three-legged stool. And here's the deal. If you're frustrated by some of the conversations that you've heard about this issue, part of it is that not all organizations, not all people that are talking about this are working from a biblical framework. So there are some organizations that are all about justice, but there is no mercy and there is no humility in it. You know, I think about the cancel culture that we have in our country right now, right? Like if you say the wrong thing, you're canceled, we're done with you, you don't matter anymore. That's, that's not mercy. That's not biblical. That's maybe somebody who is hyper-focused on justice. You didn't do what was right and so you're canceled. That's not the nature of the conversation that we're gonna have today. It's gonna be one in this series that we're gonna pursue justice. We wanna be people who do what's right, but we're also gonna pursue mercy and we're gonna look at our own hearts and we're gonna be humble as we approach the conversation. So that's the framework, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. I believe that in these three principles, we could solve the race issues in our country. We may not solve them all the way through the country, but we can solve them in our own hearts and then we can solve them in our own church and our own neighborhoods and our own community. And I believe it can spread to the ends of the earth. So let me ask you a question. This is one of those sort of disrupt questions, maybe a little bit disturbing type of question. But when it comes to your political views, when it comes to your opinion on race, can you run them all through the grid of these three questions? What is just? What is merciful? And what is humble? Can you run all of your ideologies through those three things? Because that's my goal as your pastor. That's the kind of church that I want us to be. That's the kind of people, people who are just, people who are merciful and people who are humble. I'm not trying to build a church of conservatives. 
not liberals, not independents, not Republicans, Democrats, libertarians, not white, not black. You know what, in some ways it would be a lot easier <laughs> to have a church that was all the same because we could all disagree with the same things and then we could all be the same, but, but that's not what heaven looks like. Heaven's gonna be full of people with a lot of different perspectives on politics and on, we're gonna look different. Our skin color is gonna be different and we wanna bring heaven to earth. That's what Jesus said, our prayer, prayer is, God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's harder, it's more difficult, but it's worth it. We're gonna be a people who are just, merciful, and humble. And so, so I wanna focus for the little bit of time that we have left on that first one. What does it look like for us to be a people who act justly? And by doing so, I wanna look at a situation that Jesus was in where he came up against an injustice and see how he handled it and how we might handle it in our own lives. It's Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 16. I wanna read the passage to you. It says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all of the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those who were selling doves. He said to them, the, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it in to a den of thieves. The blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But look what happened. The leaders were indignant. The leaders were indignant. They were upset. They didn't like this because their, their systems of injustice were being messed with. And they asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied, haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. That's Matthew 21, verses 12 through 16. Now, many of you have heard this story before. You, you, you've heard of the story of Jesus coming in and flipping the tables of the money changers and, 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 and disrupting the temple. And, and a lot of us have misconceived ideas on what, what is that even about? Like I've had some of you come to me and say, hey, why do we sell coffee or books or t-shirts? Isn't that what Jesus was so mad about? And, and the answer is no, not at all. That's not, that has nothing to do with what Jesus was mad about. What happened is this was Passover. This is once a year, all of the, the Jewish people would come to Jerusalem, come to the temple to celebrate Passover. Passover is that moment, you know, in the Old Testament when God delivered the people of Israel from Egypt and he, the angel of death passed over the Israelites and, and they were set free from the slavery that they were in. And so this is a moment, everybody's coming from all over the world to Jerusalem, the Jews are, to commemorate the Passover. And as they got there, the, the temple practices, they needed a, a, an animal, a dove or a bird to, to offer as a sacrifice. And they also would wanna give offerings so they'd have to change their money, uh, exchange their money for the, the right currency. And what was happening is when they got there, they were being price gouged. It was financial injustice is what was happening. Uh, so, so they were taking, you, you couldn't travel for days, even weeks with these animals, they would die. So they have to get animals and they were charging them crazy amounts of money for it. And so Jesus comes onto the scene and he sees that there's a group of people that are being, uh, they weren't being treated fairly. They were being unjust. There are people being unjust towards them. And so he got mad and he flipped the tables. He, he, he didn't sin in his anger. The Bible says, be ang do not sin in your anger. It's not a sin to be angry. He was upset because of an injustice and he flipped the tables. 
And I believe that there are some tables of injustice that each of us deal with that need to be flipped in our lives. In this current cultural moment, if Jesus were here in person, I believe there are some tables that he would lovingly and, and righteously and justly flip in our lives. And so I wanna talk about some of those tables. There's some tables that we need to flip uh, in, in this conversation. The first table, and I'm, I'm not gonna flip it angrily, but, but I'll flip it. It's the table of prejudice. The table of prejudice. It needs to be flipped. We need to be honest with ourselves and say, is there an area of prejudice in my life? Do you know what, what, what prejudice means? It simply means to prejudge, to, to form an opinion about somebody without any basis of truth based on some external characteristic. It could be the color of their skin. It could be their financial status. It could be any number of things. You know, in fact, I was flying home uh, th this week from this trip and I was getting ready to board the airplane and right in front of me were two families and each of them had infant children with them. And I looked at Lisa and I said, this is gonna be a long flight. You know what I did? I prejudged these families. Some of you are prejudging me. I love children, okay? I just don't always wanna fly with them. And guess what? I was wrong. Both of the children were incredible. It wasn't a long flight. It was, in fact, one of them sat right next to us uh, across the aisle and we, we had a lot of fun playing and making faces and, and connecting with this child. But I, I was prejudiced. I prejudged this family based on the fact that they had kids. We do it all the time. And, and for some reason, we're willing to acknowledge it when it comes to our own areas of life. Like I, my, my son turned 13 years old last week. And I had a lot of stereotypes, prejudices about teenage boys. You know, kind of the misconceptions or sometimes they're true, but they're not true of everybody. And Miles on his birthday, he was like, dad, can we just do, do, do me a favor and don't stereotype me? I'm, I'm your son, I'm Miles. I'm not some stereotype of a teenage boy. And it was like, man, I've got my own prejudices against my own kids. But we also have prejudices with people who look different than us, believe different than us. And, and the Bible speaks to it a lot. In fact, James, the book of James, um, talks about this in, uh, in James chapter two, uh, verses one through five. And I wanna, I wanna show you this. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? And look what he says. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? He's saying, James is saying, listen, we cannot, especially in the church meetings, when we gather together, we cannot bring our prejudice we cannot look at people and make judgments, snap judgments about them based on their, their income, based on what they're wearing, based on the color of their skin. Because when we do, we're most often wrong. Even in this case, he's like, hey, you're acting all prideful. You're acting like you are better than this, this poor person. But don't you know in God's kingdom, they actually know my heart even more than you do. And when we make 
prejudices. When, when we all have them, right? I'm not saying, I mean, 100% of us are prejudiced in some area of our lives. And what I'm asking us to do is flip the tables on it. So you know what, I wanna, I wanna be a person who is just, who does what is right, who loves mercy and who is humble. And if I'm gonna be that person, I'm gonna have to flip the table of prejudice in my life. And so, so I wanna just ask you, where do you have prejudice in your heart? Where is there maybe some racial bias in your heart? Guess what? That doesn't make you a canceled person. <laughs> that doesn't make you an evil. It just makes you a human being who's acknowledging that, man, there are some areas of prejudice in my life. And I'm asking God to work on them today. I got to flip the table of prejudice. There's another table that I want to see us flip as we have this conversation. It's flipping the table of pride. Flipping the table of pride. You know, in that passage of scripture in James talks about uh, prejudging and discriminating against people. It, it really deals with this issue of pride. He says, you're telling them to come sit at your feet because what you're essentially saying is you have something to learn from me. And man, when we are prideful, we, 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 we prevent ourselves from learning. Pride is a huge, huge barrier from being learners. It puffs us up to make us think that we're 100% right. And here's what I've learned when it comes to our theology, to my opinions, to even what I think I know about social justice, to my posts. God's not reading my books. He's not reading our blogs. He's not reading our opinions and going, oh my gosh, Josh, you are so right. How did I miss that? Yet somehow we feel like we have to speak our mind. We have to say something about every issue, especially when we dis agree with it. And pride will keep us from learning. I would propose that all of our opinions and thoughts are in some way wrong. At least they're incomplete, but we've all got stuff that we can learn in this conversation. That's what we've been saying. If you've heard Pastor Greg or myself and morning encouragements throughout this to say, man, we need to be a people who listen, who learn and who love. That's what we're trying to do. And, and it's really hard to learn if we don't flip the table of pride in our lives. If we don't go, all right, God, I, I know that when it comes to pride, pride comes before what? Pride comes before a fall. You know, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so if we're gonna have this conversation, if we're gonna see uh, racial justice, if we're gonna see us move forward in this, we're gonna have to flip the tables of prejudice we're gonna to have to flip the tables of pride. Say, God, would you search me and, and uproot any pride that I have in my life? We're also gonna to have to be willing to flip the tables of our past. Flip the tables of our past. Our past is a table that needs to be flipped. Our, our nation's past, our own personal past. Listen, all of us, have issues. All of us have stuff from, and if we don't learn from the past, then we most often end up repeating the past. And so we need to take a long look at our history, you might say, and be willing to flip the tables on it. Be willing to learn the lessons from our past. And, and, and listen, here's the deal. 
I've been reading in my own personal quiet time through the book of Second Kings. And it's interesting because it will introduce you to a king and then it will say this king either did evil in the eyes of the Lord or did right in the eyes of the Lord. And then most often if they did evil, it would say they, they did the same practices. They worshiped the same idols as their father or their grandfather or their great-grandfather. And it would kind of just give this description. And, and, and the reality is in our own lives, as we, as we look at our lives, we've got to be willing to learn from the past, learn from the past. I believe that those who don't study history and, and are, aren't humble enough to admit a nation's wrong are already repeating it in some form or fashion. The prophets of the Old Testament spent a significant amount of their time calling out the nation of Israel for its sins. And, and, and here, here's the deal. Here's what I want to encourage you. We just celebrated the 4th of July uh, last week and I am such a patriotic person. I love our country. Did, did you know that being patriotic isn't the same as, as claiming perfection for our nation? Like we can actually be patriotic and also go, you know what? There are some things that, that aren't right about our history. And I'm so thankful that our founding fathers set up our nation with, with these ideals of justice for all, right? Of, of the e- equality for all. But the reality is some of them didn't actually live that out. And they lived in a culture. And, and I'm not saying we should just bash all of them, okay? Like, I, I think that w- every culture grows and learns, right? And so I'm not saying we should look at our past and like cancel all of them in a prideful way that says, man, if I were living back then, I would have done it differently. No, but at the same time, we have to be willing to learn the lessons and realize that the actions of some of the people in our past set it up so that others were oppressed. And there are still some systems to this day that, that make it more difficult for some than it is for others. It doesn't mean that we don't love our country. I love our country, but I can still say, you know what? There are some things that were wrong about it. And I wanna repent for the sins of my country. I wanna repent for the sins of my own family. I've, I've told this story before and, and I, I sometimes hesitate to say it, but when it comes to flipping the tables of our past, I think it's important for me to talk about it. You know, we talked about one side of my family and there was definitely racism and injustice and uh, all kinds of stuff. They were just crazy until one, one member of my family committed his life to Christ, E.L. Surratt. I told you that story on Father's Day. But I think about my grandfather on the other side of my family. I loved my grandfather. He died several years ago and uh, just a, a really good man. Uh, when my grandfather was in his 80s, uh, he loved to collect things. He collected barbed wire. He collected other things. Uh, and and it's in his 80s, he was out collecting and there was a group of people that stopped him and asked for directions. And as he began to give them directions to where they were asking to go, they mugged him. They beat him up within inches of his life. They actually left him for dead and they stole everything that he had and they drove away. And my grandfather was left for dead. They thought he was dead. When we first got the call, we thought he was dead, Uh, but he actually miraculously recovered. It took a long time in the hospital, but he recovered. And I remember going out to talk to him and one of the last meetings that I had with my grandfather, uh, he was telling me that story and I was asking him about it. I said, well, grandpa, when they came and asked you for directions, did you know? Did you know that they were up to no good? And he answered that question by using a racial slur. And he basically said they were just like all of the rest of them. And it was a moment. And let me tell you something about my grandfather. He was a good man, but he had racial biases. 
He just did. It was a product of where he grew up. It was a product of some of his experiences. But he made a statement that implied that every person that looked like the people that did that to him had the same character attributes of, of those four people who mugged him. And I had an opportunity right there in that moment to either embrace the past, embrace a mindset, or to say, you know what? That's not who I am. And that's not who I'm choosing to be. And when we flip the tables on our past, it's just a matter of evaluating where have I maybe picked up some tendencies? Where have I maybe picked up some, some biases that aren't right, that, that aren't okay? And I've got to be willing to go, you know what? I'll repent of those. I'll repent of those in my own family, but I also repent of the sins of the nation and be willing to acknowledge that there are some, some things that, that we continue to need to grow in because of our past. And so, so we need to be willing to flip the tables, flip the tables of our prejudice, flip the tables of our pride, flip the tables of our past. There's one more table that we need to be willing to flip as we close. And that is to flip the table of our perspective. Flip the table of perspective. You know, that's simply acknowledging that my perspective isn't always the right perspective or the only perspective. You may notice that the top of these tables was pretty smooth. Have you ever, uh, do you remember in school or maybe you've been at a restaurant and you reached under the bottom of a table and you realized that there was gum on the table? Isn't that not just disgusting? <laughs> it's, it's happened to most of us. Yeah, but, but when you look at the top of the table, it looks clean. You're eating, it's hard to flip the table of perspective when you're feasting at that same table, right? But man, the, the bottom of the table is actually got gum and sometimes boogers and it's gross and it's nasty. And, and what I'm saying here is that everybody comes to the table with a different perspective. And if I'm gonna flip the table of my own perspective, I've got to be willing to look at the table from the perspective of other people. And there are some people at the table of our country. Because if you ask me about my experience in our country, I love our country. I think it's a, a great country. I've had mostly good experiences in our country. But there are other people that when they sit at the same table, they would say, man, there are some, there's some gum at, uh, on, on the table. There's some perspective that's different. There's some things that I've had to go through that I've had to walk through that are different than what you've had to walk through. And they would be willing to go, hey, I love the table too, but man, there's some, some stuff that we need to be willing to clean off the bottom of the table. Now, whose perspective is true? Mine or that person who sees it from that perspective? But both of them, right? We, we, we all come to the table with different perspectives. It's like there are certain restaurants that I love. Charleston is the best place to eat. And every now and then I'll go into Yelp or I'll look at a review and I'll see that somebody ate at the same restaurant that I love and they'll give a, a terrible review of it. I'm like, how could you say that about that restaurant? Part of it is that they went and maybe they had a server that was having a bad day or maybe their food came out wrong or cold or whatever, but, but, but they can experience the same restaurant but have a different experience with it. And when it comes to issues of injustice, all I'm trying to say is this, is that we need to be willing to flip the table. We need to be willing to look at the, the country, look at the issues that we're walking through from a different perspective. If, if you look like me, if you're white, I'm, I'm asking you, would you be willing to sit down with some of your black friends and just ask them, hey, what is your perspective? 
Not some political pundit, not a video that's gone viral and shared. Those are all fine. Everybody's, every perspective is, is, is good, is, is important. But I'm talking about your friends. I'm talking about the people that you worship with. I'm talking about, would you be willing to sit down and say, hey, I just wanna flip the tables on my own perspective. I wanna flip the tables on my pride. I wanna acknowledge that, that there's some things that I don't know. I'm gonna acknowledge that there's some prejudice in me. I'm gonna acknowledge that there's past that needs to be reconciled. And I just wanna get a different perspective on your issues. And I believe that if we would be willing to flip the tables, if we would be willing to be a people who say, you know what? God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do here? And we would listen and we'd we'd hear him say, I want you to act justly. I want you to do what's right. I want you to love mercy. And I want you to walk humbly before your God. I'm believing that if we'll be willing to flip those tables and acknowledge that, hey, we've all got issues, right? Nobody's coming at this from a place of perfection. I have not yet attained what I wanna be, but man, I'm, I'm on this journey and I'm gonna continue to fight for what's right. I believe that if we'll be willing to do that, we will see healing begin to happen in our nation. You know, what, what, what do we do? You know, we've got these tables, we flip the tables. What, what, what do we do? Do we just destroy them? <laughs> you know, I, no, th- these tables represent our lives pieces of us, parts of us. We need to repent of those things. But here's what I would suggest that we do. I would suggest that instead of destroying the tables, we, we flip them, we do some, some analysis, some soul searching. God, would you search me? Would you know me? But then I, I would suggest that we put them back together and we, we be, be committed to sitting at the table with those who are different than us that we would go, you know what? I wanna be a person who shows up to the table with all of my issues. I'm gonna show up humbly. I'm gonna show up with a heart for mercy. I'm gonna show up wanting to do what's right, but I'm gonna sit at a table with people who don't look like me and I'm gonna be willing to say, hey, I wanna learn. I wanna grow. I wanna be a part of solutions. Here's my challenge for you. One is to to let you know that regardless of where you are on this, Regardless of what you came into this weekend carrying, God has a seat for you at his table. God has a seat for you at his table. We don't have to be perfect to sit at his table. In fact, all we have to be do, do is be willing to acknowledge that we're not, that we've fallen short of the glory of God. And, and the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short, but that if we will confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died for us, that he rose from the dead, he conquered death. If he can conquer death, why can't racism be conquered? Why can't we all be set free? But if I'm willing to acknowledge that and put my faith in him, I have a seat at his table. And so I wanna encourage you, if you haven't maybe ever come to that table to just acknowledge that I've fallen short. I'm a sinful person. I need Jesus in my life. I need to surrender my life to him so that I can have a seat at God's table but then that we would all be willing to come to the table. And as we do this series, as we finish the series, we'll be launching groups. Uh, Some of them are gonna be studying the third option, which is a great book by Pastor Miles McPherson. Some will be studying Be the Bridge. There's lots of different curriculums, but man, I'm saying we're gonna set the table for you to come and be at a table with people who don't look like you so that we can find unity, that we will be undivided. Would you be committed to doing that? 
If you'd be committed to, to coming to one of those tables, I would encourage you to text CONNECT to 320-320 and we will help you find a group where you can sit at a table having exposed, hey, I've got pride, I've got prejudice, there's stuff from my past I'm not proud of, but I wanna have a perspective that's gonna help me grow and lead towards unity in this conversation. Text us at 320-320, the word CONNECT. We will help you make that happen, but let's be committed to, to having a seat at God's table, to getting right with Him, confessing our sin, and being at the table with brothers and sisters who look different than us. And I believe we will see our church and our country move towards being undivided. Would you pray with me as we close? God, we, we need your help in this. We need your help. God, we're coming to you as your church. Lord saying, we, we see the problems. We see the division, we see the injustices, we see the issues. And God, we wanna be a part of the solution. We don't wanna be part of the problem. And so God, we come to you and we say, God, would you help expose our own prejudices? Lord, would you bring to surface in our heart any area, any bias, any prejudice that Lord is just wrong and it doesn't come from you? And would you help us to see them? And would you help us to repent of them, to walk away from them? Lord, we, we repent of our pride. Would you help us to be a people who are humble? God, would you help us to reconcile our past? God, we know that, that we can't fix all of it, but God, we wanna learn the lessons so that we can move forward into a better tomorrow. And God, would you help us to have a perspective? Uh, Lord, we wanna share a perspective with our uh, others, but help us see this world, to see these issues in the same way that you do. Lord, may our heart break for what breaks yours. Lord, may we be a people who fight, Lord, the, the, the fights that you're fighting, that, that fight for justice, that fight for mercy, and that walk humbly before you. We commit ourselves to you. We commit this conversation to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, we're gonna respond together. And, and you know, I thought this weekend, well, there are a lot of different ways that you can respond. Some of us need to repent. And as we sing and worship and, and response, you can easily do that. Some of us need prayer. You can absolutely ask for prayer. We have people that would love to pray for you right now in the chat. Send us a message. Let us know. We will pray with you. Uh, but, but, but you know what represents unity to me more than just about anything is when we come to the table of communion. And I know we, we, we can't do it. I'd hope that we'd be able to do it in person uh, in our services today. But wherever you are, I wanna encourage you to get some juice, get some bread. You know, we've joked throughout this whole quarantine, use, use whatever you need to use. Uh, we got some leftover birthday cake. We may use that. <laughs> but, but that we would take a moment to remember that we are all unified in Christ Jesus because of what he did to remember the blood and the body that was poured out for you and poured out for me, that we would take communion and, and remember the unity that we have in Jesus Christ. And then we're gonna sing, we're gonna celebrate, we're gonna worship as we, we worship and respond together. God bless you, let's, let's respond together.